Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to the All About Fitness Podcast. On the episode of this podcast, I have a very special guest for you. And before I get in the introduction, I just want to say a huge thank you. And I mean it, a big, big thank you to all those who've left reviews. I'm almost, you know, we are almost at 100 reviews here for All About Fitness. And you know the way the internet works. The currency of the internet, especially for small little like content providers like myself, are reviews. If you enjoy All About Fitness, if you're getting great information, please just reach down right now. Hit that five-star review. Let other people know that All About Fitness is worth listening to, and I really appreciate that. So into the introduction for this guest, and this <laughs> this is actually the first time I've ever uh, met a guest on an airplane, and that's how John and I, and literally how we met each other. We were both sitting on a flight. Um, we got I got bumped up to first class. I don't know if he was flying there, and I normally don't really chat with people on planes. I'm one of those people, I sit down, you know, I pick up whatever I'm reading, and I just you know get settled into my seat. Uh, but for today, for, for on this flight, for some reason, I started chatting with a fellow next to me. Well, that's that's who this guest is. This guest is John Bulgens, and John is the John is a global brand manager for Haro, and Haro is a bicycle company that was founded a number of years ago by a guy who was making stickers and, and number plates for BMX bikes. But when John told me who he worked for, I kind of looked at him and said, "Oh, you mean Bob Haro's company, the one he started in his kitchen making stickers?" And sure enough, a conversation started. And for listeners, the reason why I know that is I grew up, you know, riding bikes and racing BMX. I raced BMX. I did freestyle. Yeah, I did some skateboarding stuff. I mean, it was the 80s, right? It was, you had checkerboard everything, dayglow everything. I was a teenager in the 80s. This movie Rad came out and I was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be on my bike and do these cool things. And I, my friends and I would go into the woods. We'd build dirt jumps. We would go out bike riding for hours at a time. Well, flash forward 30 something years later, and here I am in my mid to late 40s, and I live in Southern California now, and I'm looking around, and, and I see a number of skate parks. And every time I go to a skate park, I see people my age and older on bikes and skateboards, and they're still riding. And that's what this interview is about today, folks. This interview is about, a lot of times in this podcast, I talk about specific avenues of fitness, right? We have strength training, mobility, cardio, hit training. But today on All About Fitness, I want to talk about lifelong fitness, lifelong activities. And the reason why I'm interviewing John is just, you know, just one or two episodes ago, I interviewed Todd Clever. Todd is a former captain of USA Rugby, and I wanted to introduce you to a sport that might be appropriate for your kids. A lot of parents aren't that familiar with rugby, and I'm starting to coach youth rugby again. I coach high school rugby, and I'm coaching in a youth, youth rugby club. I wanted to introduce parents to a movement option, to activity options, and that's what this episode's about. John and I talk about how even in our late 40s, we're still riding like we were when our teenagers and that's what I want you to hear, folks, is if, if you, if your parents, I, my kids are asking me for Christmas this year, and my kids are asking me for video games. I do not want to give kids video games. Not at all. They, they can play a game or two on an iPad, but I refuse to buy like a Nintendo or whatever, the PlayStation stuff. I refuse to. You know, that's just for whatever reason. So what I'm bringing you is I'm bringing you options. I want listeners out there to hear options because when I was, you know, when I was a teenager riding a bike and riding a skateboard, you know, parents would make fun of you. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You know, that's kind of a waste of time. But when I look around, I see people my age still on skateboards, still being active. They're still riding bikes. Guess who's still in good shape? That's right. The skateboarders, the BMXers. 
And finally, before we get get into the interview here, I really want to say this is a huge shout out to a couple of buddies of mine from high school, Tom Raskowski and Damian Grasso. Uh, these are guys I grew up with, and I love their Instagram feeds because Tom and Damian, we're all approaching 50 years old. We're all knocking on the door 50, and Tom and Damian both have half pipes in their backyard. And these are the guys that we used to go around in steel wood to build ramps in the 80s. And these are guys that now have full-on half pipes in their backyard, and they, they ride, they skate with their kids, and they're still very active in it. So this is for all the guys I grew up with. This is for the teens I rode bikes with, the BMXers out there, the skateboarders out there. For those of you that are trying to get your kids away from Fortnite, you're trying to find a great activity to get your kid excited about, I really listen to the conversation today with John Bulljins, the global brand manager for Haro, and hear about how much a lifelong activity this is. I'm Pete McCall of the All About Fitness Podcast. I'm catching up with uh, John Bulgins today. I hope I pronounced that right, John. Yep. He is a global brand manager for Haro. So, John, how did you end up being the brand manager for a bike company like Haro? Um, I mean, as you know, I've been riding BMX 37 years, but I've actually been in the industry 25 years and owned two of my own brands whilst I was living in Australia, but this isn't an Australian accent. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Haro actually saw what I was doing. In, in Australia and uh, the president of the company Joe Hawk um, and I were talking and basically yeah he pushed to, to get me over to the USA because um, it wasn't it wasn't easy obviously coming over here and <laughs> proving that I'm not taking an American's job <laughs> <laughs> well there, there's that uh, hold on one second maybe yep. the microphone just perfect yep. just a little bit away and so when you look at that, John, you said you've been riding. How long have you been riding BMX? Because this is what I want to talk about today. Because yeah. I, 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 we met on an airplane a few months ago, yeah. and you kind of rekindled my love of the sport. <laughs> but how long have you been riding BMX? And you even got another bike, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Of course I did, yeah. Um, yeah, like everyone. Well, not like everyone, but like most. I uh, saw E.T. for the first time uh, in 1982. And my, my, my parents, my foster parents at the time who adopted me, uh, saw that I was just so, so in awe of this film and the, the BMX riding and everything else that was going on so um, March 1983 they, they got me my first BMX bike and I haven't been off it since 10th of March and see I love that you remember that and, and, and with me and my friends we saw the movie Rad which I think yep. came out a year or two later yep. and that's when we went out we saw that movie and we went out and we started digging in the dirt right away yep. so, so seeing that what, what motivated you what got you interested in BMX like why, why get on a bike yeah I mean definitely Elliot flying away <laughs> um, and also I mean it, it looked like it was an escape for me um, you know it's that that's what I saw. I didn't know at the time that it was also a form of meditation, which I learned later on in years. But uh, yeah, it was just yeah. I wanted to fly away from here. <laughs> you know, I think because when we talked about that, and as I've been getting back into riding, that's one thing that that's rekindled with me yep. is the freedom of, yep. of being on being on a bike and, and doing something. And for listeners, we're talking about like BMX jumping, and and because yep. you still jump and you still ride. I mean, when I say ride, I mean like, and I'm smiling right now as <laughs> I say this because most people think of get in on a bike, right? And you go right down the street. But when we say ride in yep. BMX, what do we mean by ride? If we say let's go ride, what do we mean? Yeah, I mean when we're talking riding, yeah, we're heading down to the skate park. As you can hear a skater in the background, uh, we're heading down to the skate park, or we're we're digging jumps. Uh, one thing I love is street riding. You know, I mean, I see a wall and I just want to ride up it. And most people are like, yeah, maybe your listeners, 
why would you ride up a wall? And But it's a challenge, setting yourself personal goals every day. And that's what I get from riding my bike. I mean, broken my neck, broken my back, fractured my skull four times, smashed all my teeth out. <laughs> but I'm still living in the now, living in the moment, and I love it. I still get the same buzz today, almost at 48, as I did when I was 10, 11 years old. And you're a competitor, right? You you were like, you, you achieved pretty high-level competition. Yeah, I mean, I was competing. Uh, best I ever got was second. I never won a contest. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... Um, but it was uh, the, the brotherhood, it was uh, the, the freedom and the friendships that I uh, bonded back in the 80s that I'm still close, so close with some of my best friends over 30 years now, just from BMX bikes. And, and see, when I met John, what, what John really kickstarted with me is I had pictures of all these people up on my wall. Like, you know the prototypical wall of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like the, the 1988-1989 broom. What pictures did you have up on your wall when you were a teenager? Yeah, growing up, I mean, the first one that comes out is uh, definitely Eddie Fiola and Mike Dominguez, 1984. They went to my local skate park. Everyone thought people were talking crap, so no one went down um, until the magazines came out a few months later. And it was like, oh, my God, they were in our town. So I had Eddie, uh, I had... um, uh, obviously, um, Mike Dominguez, but then, I mean, Ron Wilkerson, Matt Hoffman, Brian Blyther, like, I'm rolling off all these names that had posters of these guys, but they're all personal friends today. And that's what, it, see, I had pictures of them all on my wall, and, and I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, which didn't really, was not the hotbed of BMX, but we did get the King of Vert. You know, King, Ron Wilkerson came through there with the King of Vert two times, right. and any time a show came to Rockville BMX... Mate, we, we did everything we could to make it out there. It was like a 12-mile bike ride from our houses, and we would ride our single-gear BMX bikes 12 miles yep. to go there. So now, as an adult working for the bike company, working for Haro, what is Haro? Because Haro is one of the top brands, right? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously well-known for BMX. Um, Bob Harrow, who established the company in uh, 1978, was actually one of the main stuntmen in E.T. as well, which is another crazy story. Um, so he was the one with the balaclava, pulls it over his head. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Harrow is a BMX company, but we also have mountain bikes. We've been doing mountain bikes since 1986. Um, and then we own other brands like Massey, which is a road bike company, Del Sol, which is beach cruisers, uh, commuting bikes and things like that. So, um, But, yeah, the heart and soul of the company is still BMX. And, and looking at that, BMX has gone through phases, right? It was really popular when we, you know, when we got into it in the 80s. And you've had like certain waves of popularity. What kind of impact has the X Games? Because I think that's how most people know of the sport, John, is through the X Games. What kind of impact, good or bad, has the X Games had on the sport of BMX? Yeah, definitely. I mean, X Games started in 95. So there was that lift. And late 90s, I mean, BMX, the companies were actually sadly going broke. But um, for Harrow, um, BMX was the strongest it had actually ever been in 2000, early to 2000, 2001. Uh, we had Dave Mira, Ryan Nyquist, uh, Ryan thankfully still with us today on Harrow. Uh, Dave passed away a few years ago, but uh, X Games had uh, a great impact at that time. Today, um, it's, it's quite strange. Um, I look at contests today and they're almost like computer games. Yeah. The tricks that are being done are so unrelatable yeah. that a lot of kids can't even... V- Visualize. They see the bike going everywhere, and they can't actually get what is happening. 
Well, and that and that to me is one of the things when I, I got from watching the X Games. It's almost like you need to bring back a, an old school '80s category of no flips, no 360s. Just see who can do the sweetest, cleanest flat tabletops and lookbacks. You know what I mean? It's almost like to your point. I was watching some of that. And I'm like, going, there's no way I could try any of that in my local skate park. Yeah. But like a look down or, or like a tabletop. You know what I mean? I mean, I uh, think to, to some degrees it's motivating, but the other degree, like, oh my goodness, I can never do that. Yeah. I mean, when I see a fully clicked turn down or look back today, um, that is pure BMX to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, an amazing, even, I mean, I do like uh, inverted 360s and stuff like that. I mean, the bikes, you don't know sometimes if they're actually doing a flip or doing a 360. It's they're amazing. so upside down. Yeah, and that's amazing. And that's what I don't, so now when you talk about riding, you're not doing any of the flips or 360s, are you? Uh, I'm still doing 360s and stuff like that. I never do the flips. I mean, I tried a few flips and I've never pulled a flip. I've crashed a few, but yeah. I've never actually pulled a flip. And it's it's that passing that blind spot as you go upside down. I mean, I can backflip off a set of stairs on my feet but to backflip a bike um, there's that blind spot that I just can't get past and I gotta do it Pete I gotta do it before I'm 50 <laughs> I, well I, number one I think you can but when you look at this and the reason because take kids like us right kids like us may not have been the best students in school we may not have been you know the first guys to crack a book but how long would you take how many hours would you spend practicing a trick before you got it dialed in Oh, yeah. I mean, I would easily be on the bike 10, 12, 14 hours a day. As soon as the sun was up, I was out, and the sun was going down, I'd be home. But uh, in Scotland, especially, where I grew up, I mean, there there was, in the summer, you would just get over 20 hours of sunlight. Wow. uh, Because we're so far up north. It's like North Canada and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but in the winter, you get four hours of daylight. (laughs) So um, it made it quite miserable then. But, um, yeah, you would spend hours and hours and hours just perfecting um, your tricks. And that's what I want parents to listen to. If you have kids that are like 10, 11, 12 years old, and I know you're battling Fortnite. This is one thing that John and I talked about when we first met, is you're trying to look for ways to get kids away from the video games. How, How could BMX, how could getting a kid a bike help get them away from that video game trap? Yeah, I mean, one thing I always share when I'm doing talks is actually uh, I I look at if you're riding your bike and you commit to like doing a jump or riding or doing whatever, if you're focused 100%, you could totally pull that trick. And it's the same as in life. If you focus on your schoolwork, if you focus on living in the present moment as a great human being, you can achieve anything. So that's what I like to say about, about bike riding. You can do anything you want. And that's why, because you mentioned earlier that it was your form of meditation. Yeah. And meditation is about centering our mind in the moment and getting away from distractions. What is that feeling when you're on your bike, even now at 48 years old, when you're on your bike, you're on your 20? Yeah. What's what's that do to you in terms mentally? How does that take you back? I mean, the one thing is, yeah, there's no age. Um, When I'm riding my bike and I'm looking down at the coping or whatever, I mean, there is no age. I still feel... If I'm 16, if I'm 21, if I'm 30, there's there's no age. And that's, I guess, that's what keeps me young. Yeah. I mean, I said to someone the other day, I said, I, I never want to grow up. <laughs> and the response was, well, we all have to grow up one day. And I went, no, we don't. I, said, I, I do share also that um, I shared the other day with, uh, again, another guy I met on the plane. And uh, and I said to him, we were talking about kids and everything else and, and how frustrated he was with his 14-year-old and stuff and and I said, but, you know, the 14-year-old can't relate to you at 45, 48 years old. But you were 14 at one point. Why don't you become 14 and get on his level and see where he's at today? 
And then you'll see that transformation in your relationship with father and son. And this guy was blown away by the conversation. And uh, I think that's what we really need to do. You want to know why your kid is playing Fortnite? It's his release, maybe, or her release. But be down on their level. And remember, what were you like at 14? You didn't want to hear from your mum and dad. You don't want to get told to do this or do this or do that. But be relatable to your kid because you've been 14, you've been 12, you've been 8. They've never been you. Dude, I like that. And, that's, and for listeners, after I met John, one of the things I did was I went up to, to Haro, the bike company, and I bought a bike, and I bought two <laughs> of my kids' bikes. And my younger daughter hasn't learned how to ride yet, but I can't tell you how, how much I love Nate. And that's one reason I want to follow up with you on this. I love just going out for a little bike ride with my older daughter. There's a little, yep. They just open up a new little bike path in Encinitas. Yep. And one of my favorite things is go down with her and just go down. I mean, she's, not, she's seven years old. And we, we, I brought her to a skate park once, and we got to wait a little while before we do that again. Yep. But to see her face light up and to see she's got it, mate. She feels it. Like when I ask her, like, what do you feel like when you're riding? She goes, she feels like she's flying. Yep. You know, how, do we, how can we help people capture that feeling? Exactly. Well, hopefully by listening right now, uh, I mean, to see that joy, like it's, it's the simplest thing, riding a bike, but for a child, that's a massive accomplishment. Like they've got that balance. They're just pedaling down the street and that's all they need to do. Um, you don't need to go to the skate park to have as much fun as you can. But if you can just go for a bike ride with your kids on a Sunday, it's like that bond is priceless. It doesn't cost anything. You've bought the bike. You know, you don't have to entertain them here or go there. You're riding a bike and having the most memorable moments. And those are the moments that they're going to cherish in their later years. Well, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I'm just thinking back about getting yelled at for my dad. I can't tell you how many shovels he had to buy because I would take the <laughs> shovels and we'd go build. But one of the things, the reason why I say this is I was 13, 14 years old. I would spend hours in the woods building jumps, digging in the dirt. You know, I had I had a Nintendo at the time, but I wasn't playing Super Mario Brothers. No. You know, I was out there digging, you know, and, and I was falling, I was getting hurt. But what's that what's that do? When you give the kids the kind of the freedom to to be creative like that, what's that do for them? Oh my god. I mean, again, it was funny. Um I've been back to Scotland four times this year and one of the conversations I had with one of my friends is Everyone I rode BMX with or rode with skateboards, you know, I didn't ride skateboards, but I rode with skateboarders. Everyone I know has gone on to do amazing things, like entrepreneurial, um, just inspirational human beings. They're they're absolutely... Because I think growing up like that, especially not sitting in and just um, locking yourself away on a computer, but actually being out there with so many amazing humans that we actually went on to do some remarkable things. And I love that you're, you're mentioning, because a lot of people may have heard the name like Tony Hawk from yep. skating, Matt Hoffman, Spike yep. Jones. You know, yep. We'll talk about Spike for one minute, because people may know Spike from the movies, yep. but where does Spike get his start? How does Spike exactly. get started? Exactly. Rockville, know? BMX. Rockville, and, that, and, that's <laughs> and, and Harrow, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but Rockville, but, but Spike Jones, who, who's a really widely recognized director, grew up, you know, I, he was a few years older than me, and I never knew him personally. Yeah. He never I, fixed your wheels? He never trued your wheels he, or No, I never, no? never took him. <laughs> he, he had left. By the time I got seriously into racing, he had moved on. He had moved out to, to L.A. to work yep. with the magazines. But I have to tell you, his approach, the way he wrote his photography, John, mm-hmm. really opened my, up my creativity. You know, yep. It was like when I look back now and I do a lot of writing in fitness, yep. a lot of the writing I do was influenced by Spike, Andy Jenkins, you know, Mark Luhmann, yep. Craig, uh, Craig Barrett-Gork with uh, yeah. MX Action, yep. all these guys. So what type of creativity and what type of leadership does this sport kind of – People develop their own leadership, right? I mean, 
Totally. I think you understand what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, your so own individuals. Of, yeah. Um, you know, it's that, that was the great thing I saw, was there wasn't a bunch of clones out there. Each an individual rider or skater um, was their own, the, themselves. And that's what was so inspirational to me. So to see people like that um, just, yeah, blows my mind. I mean, even talking about Hoffman, I'm going to Oklahoma next weekend and then um, just staying with Matt one night and sessioning his backyard ramp. And it's like... You know, when I was a kid, I never, I always envisioned yeah. that I would do this. I knew that I was going to create the possibility to go and actually ride with Matt in his house. Um, but when he invited me, I didn't just turn up. He's actually invited me to go there. That's, that's on another level. So, um, yeah, I mean, amazing people. Well, well, let's just take a look because Matt still rides. You know, I follow their Instagram accounts, and we'll wrap up here in a, in a moment. Ah. <laughs> Peter Gustin, yeah. Street Dog, is actually calling me right now. But anyway, carry yeah, on. Sorry. When you look at that, but all these guys, the reason why I want to, for, for parents, if you're looking for, if you're trying to get your kid into an activity, get your kid into something they'll do for a lifetime, I got buddies in their 50s that have half pipes in their backyards. Yeah. You know, all these guys, they're in their late 40s and early 50s, and they're still doing what? They're still riding and still living in the moment. They're still big kids. Yeah. And I think that's what makes you a great parent, when you can be a big kid and... Yeah, to stop being too serious with your kids, you know. It's, uh, that, that's the way I look at it anyway. It's just my perspective. But I think that's – but to your point, I hadn't even thought about that. It's connecting that. It's keeping that love of creativity yep. and, that, and I think play, yep. right? I think because no matter what, when you ride, it's like you're going out to play. You're being free. Exactly. You're, 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 whatever you got going on – I mean, you work in a dream job. Yep. But whatever you have going on, <laughs> you kind of lose that. But that's it. And it, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Like today is the beginning of the rest of your life. What are you going to do? What do you want to do? You can create the most amazing life and the most amazing future for yourself. Like this past weekend, I'm always saying to myself, you know, I never got an education, never finished, blah, 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 all this, all this, all that. And by being around some amazing people in San Francisco over the weekend, I'm actually going to get a degree before I'm 50. Oh, nice, mate. That's awesome. What are you, so, you going to do? What are you, what's it going to be? I'm looking at a few different options right now because I'm now working with a lot. I'm doing a lot of uh, work with foster and adoption and things oh, like cool. that, doing a lot of motivational speaking. But I would like to have a title as well. And I would like to be able to um, further my career, not just in BMX, but working so much closer with with other human beings that may be struggling or may just want to be on the right path. Well, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, John, but why would working with foster kids be so important to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was fostered myself, so I, I grew up in a, a dysfunctional family, and I was I was locked up at seven years old for trying to kill my father because he was beating my mum. Yeah, I know, not many people are laughing at that, but anyway. Um, and I was brought up as a little racist kid, and at 10 years old, I was adopted by a black father and a white mother. And you have a movie coming out about right, that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a movie coming out. And uh, right now it's February um, 2020. And uh, it stars Ludacris, the rapper, Chris Bridges. And it stars Sasha Alexander. So Chris and Sasha play my adoptive parents. And I play the white supremacist, alcoholic, wife-beating father. I play <laughs> my own dad. How, I mean, how powerful was that for you to work on that project about about kind of your life? To, to take a step back yeah. and number one to see it being produced, but then to be a part of that. Yeah. What, what was that like to see to see that come into fruition? I mean, again, I knew years, years, years ago um, that I was going to do a movie about my life because I could inspire others. I knew I was going to write a book, but to be on the movie set every single day with the director saying, "John, what do you think?" With the producers gone. This is your story. 
we need to get it right. Um, so the the movie's about 80% truth. There's a couple of fictional characters Wait, in, in there. In the movie? In the, in the movie? Something Belgian? <laughs> There's a couple, yeah, it was, it was, it was a Hollywood. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it is a little bit Hollywood. Yeah. And you let me see, and now for listeners, John, when we met, and I told him I was very familiar with Haro, because yep. you know, I knew the backstory, I got to see some of the movie, and I have to say it's a very, very compelling movie because it shows some of the struggle that you had. And that's why I wanted, because to you, BMX kind of opened up how did BMX open up life for you? Yeah, I mean, as I was saying before, it was that basically that escape um, coming from the background I did, and then with my new foster parents seeing ET, getting that BMX bike. I mean, it was the first of first my first mode of transportation. Um, but as I said, as soon as the sun was up, I was out, and I would come home when the sun went down. You know, they would always say in Scotland, "Come home when the lights go on." So the street lights, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not lanterns back in there. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, and that's what I feel today, and that's why I like to share my story because we all have a story. I mean, everyone. Pete, you've got an amazing story, you know. And movies could be made about everyone. Um, so by realizing that sharing my story that I'm not a victim I can be an inspiration and I dropped that victim card actually in my 40s I still in the back of my mind kept saying oh poor me this happened to me that happened to me Um, but now I'm just like wow you know I can be who I want to be and I put my whole soul out there for everyone to sort of realize that you can be anything and the past happened it's not that I don't care what happened, but the past happened. We got to put it back in the past and start today as the rest, as the beginning of the rest of your life. And see, that's so powerful, John. That's why I want to have this conversation with you because I know I wouldn't be doing what I was doing if I didn't have that creative outlet of riding BMX. And and even though I haven't raced in years, I still ride my mountain bike like I you know like I used to used to race. It's that creativity that that spawns so much, and that's why I wanted you to share your story a little bit. Because I know there are, there are parents out there that are struggling with their kids. Like, how can I connect with my kid? Yeah. You know, my kid might be a great kid, but just hasn't found that thing. And that's one of the things I see in BMX is there are so many individual kids that you said to yourself are, are clones. How does that BMX, and then we'll wrap up with this, how does BMX kind of foster that creativity and foster that sense of individualism that I know as a parent I want to try to give to my kids? Yeah, um, especially like growing up as we did in the 80s and all that, you had to build your own obstacles. So you had to build your own parks, your own tracks, um, dirt jumps and everything else. Uh, And if you're riding street, you would look across and see something that others wouldn't. And that was that creative aspect, I believe, that comes from, you know, action sports. I don't know if it's just action sports, but um, yeah, riding that bike down the street and you actually see an obstacle that you want to turn into uh, something other than a piece of apparatus just sitting there. And that's what you get from, from riding bikes. And see, I just, and to finish with this, I was watching something on Instagram the other day, and I really wish I could remember the rider. But the dude did a little 180. He was pedaling backwards and then did a bunny hop, another 360 bunny hop from a backwards over a tennis, over a, a tennis uh, net on a tennis yeah. court. And that, to me, is just seeing that kind of creativity is, to me, mind-blowing. Yeah. You know, is that, can, was that Matthias Dandois? He does that trick, and you're thinking, I mean, a tennis, that's what, three and a half feet? Yeah. That's I mean, it's, it's pretty high, yeah. but he's going backwards, and then he bunny hops backwards over 360, then lands forward. It's yeah. like, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. But to look at that, to, to see something as, as plain as a tennis net, and to think, hey, I can do something with that, that's the type of create, creativity. That's why I love, even at almost 50 years old, I love seeing this stuff. And oh, like the final question, John. Yeah. We're at, we're at a skate park right now. How yep. often do you go to a skate park and you see other gray hairs out there? 
Now, you don't, you don't have any great hair, but... <laughs> no, I, I shave all my hair, yes. Um, look, it, it's great, actually, living in San Diego. Uh, a lot of the guys from the 80s who did leave in the 90s are back on it, like yourself, you know? There's so many people back on it, and I love I love riding with the younger guys, but I can't keep up with them. So I love li- riding with, uh, you know, like Dave Volkers down the street as well, as I said, Pete Augustine, um, you know, and then there's a bunch of guys, like JP, and there's... They're all late 40s, early 50s, and they're back on it. And it's absolutely brilliant because when we get together, I mean, or the guys bring their kids out, we're just a bunch of kids. And that's what I wanted parents to hear because parents, I think, John, sometimes look at the skate park, they look at skateboards, they look at BMX bikes and go, oh, that just, you know, I don't want my kids involved in that. But here we are 40 years later, you know, 35, 40 years later, and we're still, you know, I'm still smacking the vein. I got my bike right here and I got my helmet and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to ride today. I wasn't sure if we're going to ride in this meeting, but we're still looking for that next little adventure, right? Exactly. A hundred percent. And look, you're always going to be the parent and everything else, but maybe just, you know. For five, ten minutes of the day, just be that child with your child. And Mate, I, put on, I put on that helmet, I get on that BMX bike, and I'm 15 <laughs> again. I don't care what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, how can people get more information about Haro? And where can, because Haro bikes, I, you know, when I raced and rode, I had Haro equipment, so this yep. is in no way, you know, playing up to you. I mean, you guys make quality products. Yep. How can people find out about what Haro's doing and where they can get Haro bikes? Yeah, I mean, harobikes.com. Um, you can check out Haro BMX dot, um, on Instagram, Facebook, um, and Haro bikes, obviously. Um, um, it's yeah. I mean, just Google Harrow BMX Harrow bikes. And now you have the old lineage, right? I, I, I sent because after we met again, I sent uh, some buddies of mine links to to your lineage. What are the yeah. li- what's the lineage line for guys our age? What is yeah. what is the lineage line? Because people might resonate with that. Yeah. So lineage is a creation of its ancestor. So it was actually funny. Um, even years before I was working at Harrow, I was doing my own brand Pilgrim, um, but I actually tried to make some of my bikes look like the '80s bike, but modern day. It didn't have a name. It was just a bike that looked like the old ones back in the day. So uh, it was a conversation I was actually having with Dennis McCoy, DMC, um, over Subway. This was back in 2012. <laughs> and he's like, yo, John, you know, why aren't we doing, like, lineage? Why do you want to do this or this or that? And I went, what does lineage mean? And I didn't know what lineage meant. And he said, it's a creation of its ancestor. Like, what you're doing this. Why not do a brand under Harrow? And so that's what we did. Um, came up with lineage and started to make modern-day products that you can ride, that you can thrash, that DMC, 52 years old, can crash a 900 and get up after it, and the bike is still perfect. So it has that emotional connection. It looks like your original 80s bike, but it's a modern day bike and it will not break. And last weekend I was down in Ensenada, Baja with Bob Harrow and he actually complimented me on my work. And that gives me goosebumps right <laughs> now because cool. Bob cool. saying that he actually respects me for who I am and what I'm doing for BMX and thanking me for the recognition back to him in the 80s by creating this lineage line. Um, yeah, it gives a little lump in my throat as well. But yeah, that. Well, like I said, none of us would be none of us that that grew up in the '80s on two wheels would be doing what we're doing today if it wasn't for guys like Barb, Bob, and, and the creativity he showed with his plates and his stickers and and everything else. So I can't tell you how much fun it is to catch up like this, John. And yeah, and you and I both know what what riding a bike can do to our lives. I just wanted to share some of that with the listeners. So I really appreciate your taking the time out of your day. Yeah, mate, definitely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on. Um, and please, guys, the the movie's called the ride 
Uh, it comes out in February, and uh, yeah, it comes out in fifteen hundred cinemas across America, and then it's going to have global distribution. So uh, yeah, uh, the trailer's online right now. Uh, again, just Google the ride, and I'm gonna have the link down below to it. And man, I, from what I saw, it's an awesome movie. So for those of you who who have been to movies and you're tired of all the superhero nonsense, this is a great movie that can feel really good about taking your kids to, and I, I mean that in every sense of the imagination. So thanks for your time, John. Awesome, Pete. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, before I go into the wrap-up, I'm going to give a couple quick pitches here. One is if you're looking for a great platform, if you're looking for the perfect piece of home workout equipment, check out TerraCoreFitness.com. There's a reason why Men's Health voted the TerraCore as one of the top 25 must-have fitness products for your home workout, for your home workout facility. That's because the TerraCore works. Recently, TerraCore was on the Shark Tank. And there's a reason why Lori decided to invest in the TerraCore. Again, because TerraCore works. We've had a couple changes with TerraCore. The code AAF now saves you 15%. AAF saves you 15, 1-5% on the purchase of a TerraCore. We've had a huge demand. We ran out of stock. Being on the Shark Tank has been huge for TerraCore. You can still get an order in and we will get one to you as soon as possible. Go to TerraCoreFitness.com terracorefitness.com use code AAF to save 15% on the purchase of a Terracore of your own and if you want to know how to exercise if you want to know the best types of exercise to slow down the aging process and to enhance your youth then pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts that's my book that helps you understand everything you need to know about the types of exercise that can slow down aging and help you feel youthful longer check out the show notes Smarter Workouts the science of exercise made simple so on to the wrap-up, and this is really, you know, first before I do that, I want to share a little story. As I mentioned, I'm starting to coach rugby, and recently at rugby practice, we had been training for maybe a week already. We'd already had four or five practices, and we're going to do our first scrumming practice in the rain. I mean, it was raining. We don't get much rain in Southern California, and scrumming, if you've never seen, if you've never seen a scrum, well, if you've seen rugby, you've seen a scrum where, where the two groups come together. That's how you put a ball back into play. In certain infractions, like if a ball goes forward, then you put the ball back into play from a scrum. It's a very, very technical uh, position or, or very, very technical part of the game. And, and I played in the front row of the scrum for a number of years, and so it's kind of one of my areas especially. We're getting ready to do our first practice, practice of scrummaging, is what it's called, and this kid shows up who had never played, he had never played rugby before. He was a, tra- not transfer student, but he just moved to, to Southern California from India not too many months ago. And the kid showed up, no rugby experience, not really that athletic. And it was amazing to see how the other kids on the team welcomed him. They shook their hands out. They introduced themselves. They, they welcomed him to the club. And this kid, you know, he's, he's there, right? I didn't think he'd show up for a second practice but he showed up again. I didn't think he showed up for another, his third practice. He keeps showing up. And, and the kids, I'm not saying the, kid, the, the, the kids aren't being super nice to him. They're not being super mean to him, but they're accepting him and they're welcoming him into the club. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a kid who never played rugby before from another country, from another culture, and he decided he wanted to come out and join the high school rugby club. And the kids on the rugby club, they're already there, welcoming him with open arms. And that's been really cool to see. So I just wanted to give you a little follow-up on that. From That's a conversation that Todd and I had, and I saw it in action. You know, it really just happened. So you take that a step further with John, and, and John and I recorded that conversation. We met at a local skate park in Southern California. It's actually called a pump track. It's like a little concrete BMX track, 
And since they opened it, uh, San Diego Parks, San Diego Parks opened that, um, San Diego Parks opened that BMX track a number of months ago. And since it's been open, it's been busy. Almost every time I go there, there are a number of people waiting to ride it. There are people mine and John's age, you know, people in their late forties waiting to ride it. And there are people that, you know, their kids three, four years old. And that's a really cool thing to see. There, there are people out there, there are dudes out there riding with their kids. I've taken my kids there a couple of times and it really is an amazing thing to see. So for parents out there, if you see, you know, you want to get, you know, ideally, you know, we all have this pipe dream of, of our kid being great at some traditional sport, you know, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, you know, we want our kids to be great at this traditional sport. But what would you rather have? Would you rather have a kid that's sitting in front of a computer or in front of a screen all day or a kid going on a skateboard or going, to a, going on a bike and going out to a skate park? Yes, that stuff is inherently dangerous. Kids are going to fall down and get scraped up. Kids are going to fall down and get bumped. Kids are going to fall down and get stitches. I can't, I, it would take me a long time to add up the number of stitches I've had in my body as a kid riding BMX bikes and as an adult playing rugby. So we won't really get into that now. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just getting over a cold here. And, but I really, I, I wanted you to hear this interview because it's very important because this is a lifelong habit. And that's some of the stuff I wanted to introduce you to through this podcast. It isn't just about lifting weights. It's not just about dieting or sleep and all that stuff. I mean, that stuff is all important, but it's about activities, hobbies, habits. What do you enjoy? What gets you motivated? What gets you excited? Now, I've spent, you know, I'm recording this towards the end of 2019. And and yeah, I got back on my BMX bike this year. And yeah, I separated both shoulders trying to relearn how to ride skate parks as, as I joke frequently. Uh, what's changed is my bike riding ability has changed in 30 years, but what hasn't changed is gravity is still 9.81 meters per second squared. Um, I found that out the hard way, so I think I'm almost fully rehabbed, and I'm getting ready to get back out on my mountain bike and get back out and get on the BMX bike. Because you know what? Nothing's going to slow me down. I enjoy that activity, and if I get hurt again, so what? I'll recover too, you know? That's just as the nature of the beast. But I wanted you to hear about the fact that there are other options out there. Fitness isn't just defined as what's happening in the gym. Fitness isn't just exercise. Fitness is activity. Fitness is finding things you enjoy doing. Fitness is about having fun with your friends. And there's, I can't tell you what's so cool. I roll up in a skate park and I've talked to guys half my age. I talked to guys that could be my kids, you know, and I, when I tell them I used to race in the eighties, I'm getting back into it. They all give me a big smile and they say, that's cool, man. That's cool. Welcome back. And I have to say, I used to do this stuff when I, when I would do this stuff uh, back as a teenager. I, the only time I would wear a helmet as a teenager was when I was racing on a sanctioned BMX track because they won't let you on a track without a helmet. And I was one of these guys, oh, I'll ride a half pipe, I'll jump ramps, I'll do all that stuff without a helmet. Guess what I do now, folks? I don't get on a bike without strapping on a helmet. Because, yeah, in my old age, I do know gravity, I do know acceleration, and I know that you're much safer wearing a helmet than you're not. And and all I wanted to do with John's interview is I really wanted you to hear the fact that these activities, these X games, these these non-traditional sports, they you know, you may look at them if you have kids 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah, they're not your traditional sports, but if you buy your kid your 14-year-old a skateboard, if you get your 15-year-old kid a BMX bike, you could be setting them up for a lifetime of activity. And I mean that. Damian Grasso, Tom Roskowski, you know, Lance Mountain, all these guys, Tony Hawk, Matt Hoffman, you know, these guys are still late, you know, late 40s, early 50s, and they're riding. They're active. They're doing the deal. So really, if you think about it, if you're looking for activities for your kid, if you give your kid a bike or a skateboard, you're giving your kid a lifetime of physical activity. 
And there's no replacement for that, folks. That's why John Bulgins was a guest on All About Fitness. So thanks for tuning in. And if you have any questions or comments, shoot me an email, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. And it truly is an honor to have you stop by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness. 